just waiting for that record button and there we go boom like that every time we say it i put it out in the universe and there it is good morning everyone it is thursday so much trending a little bit that we got to talk about and then we're going to get right and dive into our amazing amazing guest speaker today but first off, this is Carol Sue, a.k.a. Naughty Boss Lady Canada, live from a beautiful blue sky, Vero Beach, Florida, with two sisters. Hey, good morning, everyone. My name is Janice, a.k.a. Wellness Diva 3.0. And as Carol Sue said, before we get into and, and really give such a nice introduction for this amazing man, um take it away carol so what are you you're, what are you well, dying to chat about well i just decided that i'm dying to chat about but what's trending obviously is the passing of rush limbaugh and you know he's just one of those regardless of you know your political beliefs your religious beliefs he was really uh groundbreaking in radio shows and podcasts and really someone that a lot of us regardless of whatever your opinions were looked up to he was just raw he was real always told it like it is, fought a great battle. And so Rush, rest in peace. Your legacy will continue. Your wife did an amazing job on your radio show yesterday, which must have been extremely difficult. So uh, those of us that are in the podcast, entrepreneurial type business, where we talk, whether you're on radio show and or podcast, we, we all felt that loss yesterday. So I just wanted to uh, have two sisters pay their respects. Well, thank you. And, you know, that is so true. And uh, our condolences to his family. He really was the trailblazer in this industry. Without further ado, I am excited to introduce our guest, Scott Spears. He has an amazing journey. He's not only a global consultant, a combat veteran, and you know how the two sisters feel about our men and women in the armed services, our hats go off to you. And huge, huge thank you as always. He's also a life balancing coach and has so many wonderful tips about time management. Without further ado, welcome Scott to the Two Sisters podcast. We're excited to have you on today. Thank you ladies. I've been really excited to come on this show for a while now. We've been waiting a couple of weeks. I think I was a little anxious last week thinking it was going to be last week and you <laughs> had to remind me it's uh, no, no, it's next week. I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> well, that's so, thank awesome. You. That is so awesome. And we, we love your enthusiasm and you are so, you just, you exude this spirit along with being an entrepreneur in, in many aspects. So share with uh, our viewers as well as yours and whether you're viewing and or listening, Scott is going to give you some great insights and kind of how all this got started. Yeah, um, basically three major milestones in my life. The first one was when I was in the military. I uh, joined when I was 17. Parents had to sign, sign some papers for me to get in because I wasn't 18 yet. Couldn't make that choice on my own. <laughs> um, so, so I went in and in, in my first duty station, I was at Fort Ord, California, and we had rotations going to Panama. Uh, every three months. And I actually volunteered to go down there during the holiday season because I was, I, that base was like two and a half hours away from where I grew up. So I was able to see my family a lot. I was very 
um, I was in a good position to, to go visit a lot. And a lot of the guys in the unit, of course, you know, they're not from there and they haven't been with their families for a while. And Christmas time comes around, everybody wants to go home and be with their families, obviously. So I, I told my platoon leader, I said, hey, you know, I, I volunteer to go there um, this, this round uh, because obviously I get to see my family all the time, like I said. So he was like all for it, got me trained up, got me what I needed to go down there. And yeah, it was an awesome experience. Um, I, I just wanted to get out and see different things. And Panama was was cool. I mean, here I am in Central America down by the equator, um, you know, 17, enjoying my, my 18th birthday down there. And December rolls around and uh, we get a mission to take out Noriega during Operation Just Cause. So that was the first time getting shot at. Um, and that was the, the major milestone being uh, life-changing experience. First of all, realizing how quick life can, can go, can just be taken from us. Um, I just remember specifically that night being, we, you could see the bullets because they're, they're um, tracer rounds. Uh, if anybody doesn't know what those are, every like fifth or sixth round is got a little burning tip and it looks like a laser. So you know where you're shooting. Um, so you see those flying overhead. And I just started thinking, man, you know, if I get out of this, I'm going to, I'm going to go and do everything that I can see everything that I can in this world. Um, but also taking a moment to just look at the stars up in the sky and, and looking at them in a total different way. Like, wow, this might be the last time I actually see those or touching my arms and legs like, oh, okay, well, if one of these catch me, yeah, it might be the last time I actually feel these. So just total different perspective on life and death. Um, so- And how did you, you know, being, at, being at 17 years old, 18 years old, you know- You know, it was, it was a lot of adrenaline, you know? Yeah. How did you, I mean, and how did you deal with it? You were, you were a young man. You were not even, you hadn't even experienced life yet. And here you're in this life and death situation, which so many young soldiers, when they enlist- Right, right. But you know, that's when the training, yeah, that's when the training kicks in. I mean, we were trained really, really well. Uh, and we were very prepared for that situation, no matter where it was in the world, because the, the base that I was at was a rapid deployment base. We could be anywhere in the world in 24 hours. And we had drills off and on where, you know, we get waking up in, at one in the morning and, and have to report to the airfield, get on the bird. And then, you know, the colonel clicks the stopwatch and says, good time. Everybody go back home and get some rest. So you didn't know what was real, uh, when it was going to be real, et cetera. So you just had to have that kind of mental uh, switch to just to just to switch it on. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I, me I mentioned how I looked at the stars and took that 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 brief moment just to realize, wow, this could all be gone in, in just one second. Um, but then it's like, turn that off and do what you got to do. That is, I mean, just that like you said, that switch. And that really is a testimony to the training that you received, but any soldier and or anyone that's in that kind of law enforcement protection, protect honor, protect country, that is a lot on anyone's shoulder. But Jan, don't you think at 17, 18, like can you, I, I, and it, it always amazes me when you hear of these 
stories that come about that you just you're, you're not expecting and for someone so young you know obviously your parents like you said had to sign off on it and now you've got that training and it just switches so I don't know, Jan, what do you think? That's just, I get chills thinking about it. I do get chills thinking about it. And I can't even fathom, especially as you were describing how your commander would wake you up, wake your platoon up at one in the morning and boom, you go um, to the airplane, get all set up and then, okay, go back home and get some rest. I mean, whenever you have that call, and you would mention too, it's where your training kicked in, which I think really set the ground foundation for you to go forward in life. Um, I mean, global consultant, life balancing coach. Um, I really would love to get into that aspect of it. So you're you're in you know combat, and then you know the years go by, life goes by, and then you decide to do become a life balancing coach like how did you make that transition i'm really curious to hear about that story yeah so when i when i decided to get out of the military i i started chasing society's dream not really my dream thinking that's what i was supposed to do in life you know meet all of the the checkbox you know go get the nine to five go get married, go have a family, get the house, get the car, all of that. And it, it wasn't really my dream, but it was something that I felt that I had to do. Um, so I, I got out of the military, went back to California, worked a few jobs around Silicon Valley, then moved to Texas and worked a few jobs there in New York, got married, moved back to Texas, and then back to Texas, had this nice big house, uh, all all the things that you know you could want the, the the car the family everything and but i just found myself sitting there one day like is this it <laughs> is this what i promised myself when i was in panama that i was going to do go out and see the world and experience everything uh that it had to offer um and and it's no offense to anybody who who wants that american dream that nine to five that stability etc my life is not for everybody, um, definitely. <laughs> I mean, people would would hear, you know, I, I live in the airport, and you know, they don't want that for their life. But for me, I, I realized at that point that my life was stagnant, and I actually got an opportunity to go do some consulting in Egypt, and that just really excited my senses. I was like, Egypt, oh, man, the pyramids, you know, go see all of that, all the ancient ruins, etc. And so I went there for three months and, and felt it out and everything was really good. They were happy with my work and they asked if I would be there long-term. So they gave me a very nice package where basically all I had to do was pay for my food. And so I brought my family over at, at that time. Um, so being, being in Egypt, uh, was really fun because you had to learn a whole new business culture, uh, new ways of doing things. And it was, it was just a fun environment. I felt alive again. So doing that for three years, um, but then also came at a cost. I had, I had gotten divorced. That's a whole nother movie, <laughs> but usually, usually so that's, that's another episode. 
<laughs> yeah, so I, I won't get into that, but I, I was in a little depression at that time when I came back to California after Egypt and, you know, my parents were able to pull me out of that and, and tell me, hey, it's okay, you know, we just want you to be happy. But I felt like a failure and I, and I didn't like to fail at anything. I was not used to failing. And that was a lesson that I had to learn. So when they kind of gave me the green light to, to, to just be happy, <laughs> just this huge load came off my back. The monkey came off my shoulder there. And I said, all right, I'm going to go back and, and get back into the work that I enjoyed doing. And that's when I got into the global consulting. I was bouncing around Asia, Africa, Europe, Latin America, all over the place. And it was an amazing, amazing experience. Wow. That's just, you know, it's phenomenal because I think part of our journey for our health and our wellness and really realizing the visions and the dreams and the goal we have, it's okay to say we don't fit in that box. And I think, exactly. too, I think too many times there is an expectation of, you know, what someone's life should be. And too many of us, and I'm talking to all you out there because you know this is true, too many times all of us put on that brave face, go through the motion, but we're not being true to ourselves. And it takes a tremendous amount of leap, especially where there's a family involved in a career that is going to take you into many directions. But knowing at the end of the day that you're being true to yourself is not selfish. It's, it's actually paramount into to living you know, the human experience to its fullest, I think. Don't you think, Jan? Yes, I do, because I think with, you know, even that was your goal and your dream, I imagine that there was some type of fear associated with that. In other words, starting something new and just traveling all over the world. Would you say that there was some, was there, number one, was there fear involved with that? And what are some mindset or time management skills that you use to kind of get you through that? Because I imagine with traveling, there's exhaustion, there's uh, jet lag, there's a different time right. zone. So I would yeah. love to hear your thoughts. Well, on to, to answer your question, Janice, and, and Carol, I'm glad you mentioned it's not being selfish. I'm going to get to that here in, in a little bit when I get to the third milestone. But Janice, to answer your question, that goes into the second milestone of my life on how I've gotten to be where I am now. And no, there was no fear. The fear was failing. And, and after coming to the realization and peace that my parents gave me that, hey, it's okay, you know, just be happy, just be happy with your life. There was no fear. It was like, all right, uh, excuse my French, balls to the wall. I'm going all out in my life now and I'm gonna have fun. You know, I'm gonna have fun. I'm gonna do what I wanna do and, and live the life that I want. So yeah, the next 15 years, I was basically in an airport every week, uh, traveling to a different country, uh, ended up living and working in 52 different countries all over the world so far. And uh, <laughs> I'm not done. <laughs> as soon as COVID comes up, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit a few more that, that are on the list. Um, but yeah, I, I was having a really good time. The time management was very crucial in my job because I was a, a global project manager for 
the two companies that I was consulting for. And I had multiple projects going on at the same time, uh, multiple customers, multiple problems. Uh, it was funny, I was talking to an old, old colleague of mine yesterday and how we just realized that, man, we just kind of turned in mach into machines fixing problems all the time, all those years. And that also came to at, at a cost. Um, and, and about three years ago, here in Colombia, where I am now, I was, I was juggling way too much and I didn't see the writing on the wall. I was, I was doing, I was just doing too much. I was feeling sick. My energy level was down. And one night I just collapsed. Um, luckily my girlfriend at the time and, and her brother were at, at my place and were able to revive me. But yeah, I was clinically dead that night. I collapsed, eyes rolled back, turned blue, cold, and that was uh, a big wake-up call for me. Yeah, I can only imagine when, and I think a lot of times of kind of putting it out there, going after those dreams and visions and being true to ourselves, we're after, I don't want to say to use the word carrot because I don't want to belittle what, you know, what the goals that you were going after for, but it's usually a carrot. It's something that you're striving for. You're trying to catch that carrot, that shiny object. And it doesn't necessarily mean a materialistic thing. So I want to make sure I'm clear on that. However, we lack in actually hearing the signs, silencing ourselves enough to know my body is responding to this energy level that I'm a high performance personality. I'm a high performance uh, being that I, I, I'm trying to achieve all these things but it does take a toll on the mental and physical part of our being, which is paramount to all success. If we're not successful with our goals and not reading the signs that our body and our mindset is telling us, it's a train wreck ready to happen. And that's what you were. Yeah, yeah. It was, and, and it was partly ego, you know, because all, all, when I grew up, I was in a very competitive school district. Everything was, you know, win, win at all costs, uh, competition in everything. Every little thing that we did was a competition. And then going in the military, nothing is impossible. And then carrying that over into my professional life. And like I said, the, the only time I felt like I failed was with my marriage. And it was, it was really tough for me at that time. So I always had to lead by example as well, because we didn't always have the, the, the how can I say, vetted professionals in, in the projects that I was working in. A lot of new graduates, uh, uh, you know, different, different era of, of trainings. And they had to understand that, no, nothing's impossible. We can do this, all right? Let's, we just gotta figure out how. So, so, that every day on multiple projects, you know, meeting uh, specific deadlines and keeping the customers happy was was a lot of work. It was a lot of work. So when you obviously you needed some time to rejuvenate, to replenish, to rest. What was the turning point to say, hey, you know, the light bulb is here. If, if I keep going on this path. I'm not going to be on the search much longer. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the interesting thing. It didn't click. I mean, I, might have I may have had a dim light bulb, wow. but I didn't have the fireworks, 
right? And mm-hmm. what I thought of was like, oh man, uh, okay, I, I got to get back into the game, you know, physically. I thought it was just purely a physical thing, but I always pride myself on doing a lot of physical activity. I used to do these Spartan uh, obstacle races. I used to run these little uh, miniature marathons in whatever city I was in. I, I love to stay active, but over a course of time, I just felt like my, like I said, my energy was decreasing and I just attributed it to age, but then there was ego and like, no, hell no. Uh, you, <laughs> you're, you're just going to get back in the gym a little bit earlier, you know, and keep pushing. But after I had, I had this death experience, I, I of course went and got all the tests, cardio, brain. a contributor to this situation was the nutrition. I was eating a lot of foods that were healthy that I thought, but were in, I was intolerant to. So eggs, eggs being one, which is like one of the perfect foods. I eat eggs every morning, but that was causing inflammation. I also found gluten and lactose intolerant. And I'm like, oh man, am I going to turn into one of them? You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so- I love it. One of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which is probably but no, I mean, I had, probably half the planet at this point because of all the junk that's in our food system so oh yeah 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 I mean and I and I had a real big lesson on how our food that we're eating these days has just changed over time from growing up you know uh I grew up in a in a farming community and we had our own garden and everything outside and uh but now to see how you know, how big a chicken wing is now about the size of my forearm is like, that's not natural. No, (laughs) so, so I totally switched up everything. I went like on a plant-based diet for about a year, which totally, if it didn't get rid of all the inflammation, it got rid of most of it. And it really cleared up my, my breathing. Uh, I had bad allergies with breathing. Um, and that, that helped to one, one point, right? And what I failed, I, I, I tell you, I, I focused on my physical self, but where I failed is I didn't look at my mental self. And that happened, now, now we get to the third milestone, uh, which is what brought me to where I am today. And that was in October, 2019, right? started uh i i fell into a a, and what happened scott i don't know if you can hear us but it looks like there's some technical difficulties perhaps on your end um so we things clear now okay if you could repeat when you started off with that third milestone that's we didn't hear that piece Okay, sorry, sorry about that. No, 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 that's not you. It's 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 the bandwidth. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) the the third milestone was where, in October two thousand nineteen, before the pandemic actually got into full force, I I went into a deep depression. Um, I knew my my employment contract was going to expire. I was prepared for that but I wasn't prepared to go from 100 miles an hour to zero all of a sudden. So I'm used to juggling things. I'm used to going to the airport for my commute all the time. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting in the apartment, like uh, twiddling my thumbs, what, what the hell am I gonna do? 
Um, in, this is all happened in the same week, mind you, what I'm gonna tell you. Uh, the relationship I was in fell apart. Um, she broke up with me and I was heartbroken on that. Um, let's see, I was diagnosed with PTSD um, because after the, the death experience, I was having anxiety attacks that I was going to, to try to work on that. And mm -hmm. they actually diagnosed me with PTSD. And the last thing that really took me deep was I had some money saved up for my daughter's university education that was actually spent by the, the ex-wife. So all that money was gone. And I felt like not only did I fail myself, but I also failed my daughter. So that is what like the tsunami of shit, as I call it, crashed on me that week. Mm. No. Um, I want to go back to a couple um, of things because you, whoops, we're having so all of that. I look back. Okay. There is a, there is a little bit of a delay for everyone that does not realize of our viewers, or our listeners, Scott is actually zooming in from Columbia. So we have a little, little lapse in time with the way the bandwidths are working in, in addition to the bandwidth, not hundred percent cooperating. Go ahead, Jan, you wanted to interject and ask Scott a question. Right. And by the way, the bandwidths are having uh, ego issues today. But and I want to go back to that word ego, because you've mentioned it a few times. And I think that's very poignant. And I'm feeling that when your ego showed up, or when you realize that it showed up in a way that maybe you were happy about it, or you weren't, that had to be a very pivotal moment on how to transition to where you knew you had to be. Can you just explain a little bit more when you say my ego was whatever that you were going through? Because I think that must pop up for obviously many people. Yeah, and, and it didn't pop up of course, when it when I was going through it, it's it's only after the fact when I'm able to look back and and reflect on how mm -hmm. everything happened up to this point, and then I realized, man, I had some serious ego issues where I was not wanting anything to fail in my life, professionally or personally. So for the fact that I I wasn't working anymore. Um, I felt like I didn't have a mission. I was at standstill. Um, and then my, my relationship fell apart at the same time, which I thought it was okay. It wasn't the best. But, um, but I, I, so that's why I mean ego really kicked in and, and took me took me a while to understand about ego, but that's, that's what I meant by ego. Yeah. And I, and I think with ego as a whole, I mean, the old, the old fashioned state state statement of, you know, your ego rearing its ugly head. Um, there's something to say about, we forget about being humble. We forget about being thankful and grateful and that passion of, I need more. I, I can't fail. You know, I am this, I am that, and that's when the ego is rearing its kind of ugly head, and how do you, you know, wheel it back? So, you know, once you had that third pivotal moment, what were the strategies that you had to use to navigate to get out of that shithole? 
really? <laughs> yeah, that's that's where it gets interesting. And actually, it's a it's a beautiful time of my life. I look back on how everything happened and and why it happened the way it did. And being in the, that depression, I was trying to work myself out of in the mirror one day and realized that I lost 30 pounds and said, hey, that's not me. You know, I need to do something. I need, I need, and, you know, that was the biggest step was admitting that I needed help. And that's the toughest thing for a lot of people to admit is that we need help sometimes. And I didn't know where to go. Um, I wasn't able to really talk to anybody because I felt so ashamed at that time. Um, and something was telling me I need to go to India. Um, I hadn't been to India. It was one of the few countries I hadn't been to. And I, I just knew that I needed to go somewhere that I had never been before to, to be able to focus on what I needed to do to get out of this funk um, and poured my heart out to her. And she gave me some, a couple places to check out. And so I booked a ticket to go to Bangalore and enroll in a, a yoga university and do some yoga therapy, which was amazing. Um, a lot of people just think yoga as doing the, you know, the exercise movements and everything, but yoga is actually a complete way of life. I mean, they, teach you different ways of breathing, different philosophies on life. Um, I listened to so many excellent lectures on stress and anxiety and, and how yoga can cure it, which, which it actually did for me. Um, and this yoga university is the only place in the world that actually has scientific uh, proof of how yoga had, can overcome illnesses. So it was really, really interesting, um, fact-based. It was not a bunch of, it wasn't all the woo-woo, you know, <laughs> but it was really cool. So I, I went there to India, I, a highly unplanned trip. Uh, normally all my trips are down to the minute. I know exactly what I'm going to do, where I'm going to do it. You, you know, I'm Mr. Time Management, right? So, um, but this trip was the first trip I just kind of surrendered to, to wow. the moment just went with it. And that was such a beautiful experience because so many people came into my life, uh, different experiences, saying different things at specific times that I just needed to hear, you know? And it was, it was really, really cool. So I did that for about a week, just over a week. And then I decided to go to a Vipassana meditation. And for all your listeners out there that don't know what Vipassana is, it's a, it's a 10 day silent meditation retreat. And what you do is you disconnect from the world basically. Um, so you, you get there and you, you hand over your phones, your laptops, anything that connects you um, and you put it in a locker and then you go and learn how to meditate uh, in a specific manner, which I'll explain, for five, six times a day, an hour at a time. And it was really amazing because this is what is, is like the, the icing on the cake that brought me totally out of the depression of the two lessons that I learned. And then the first one was a mind over matter. Because when you're doing this meditation, you sit there for an hour and you're not supposed to move. 
I know that sounds easy to a lot of people like, ah, I don't have to do shit for an hour and not move. I can do that. But no, <laughs> your body, you're going to start feeling some aches and pains if you're not able to move for an entire hour. And, and the process is you do a body scan from your head down to your toes, slowly just observing your bodily sensations as you go down. And what would happen for the first four days for me is my knee would start flaring up. My knee was just dying. So I would stretch it out and say, oh no, hell no, I gotta, I gotta do this and bring it back in and then continue. But then I had a, a, a really serious conversation with myself after the fourth day saying, look asshole, you came here all the way to India to do this and, and get everything there is out of it. So just do it. And after that, the next session, I sat there and I sat still. I put to my mind that I'm going to sit still and do this the proper way. And that time I was scanning, I could have been 10, 20 minutes in, I don't know because you don't have a watch even. <laughs> you just start when they tell you and stop when they tell you it's done. And I'm sitting there and that knee starts flaring up. But when I'm doing my body scan, I'm maybe at my mouth or my chin and that knee is screaming, hey, I need attention, I'm dying over here. But the, the light bulb comes on and says, you know what? It's not your turn yet. I'm going to get oh. to you in a minute. When I get to you, I'll give you your attention. And working through that process, and when I did get to the knee, uh, eventually, I was able to observe the pain, acknowledge it, and then let it go and continue with the process down to my toes. And that was very, very powerful because that taught me, you know, everything is in the mind. Our bodies don't control us, our minds control us. So the same thing that I could apply to that depression was that, okay, I'm only depressed because I'm giving it all my attention, whatever is depressing me. But if I just acknowledge it, recognize it, respect the, the lesson that there was in it and let it go, I'm going to come out of this. So that was the first lesson there. That is, that is amazing. And my question would be, because I'm already aching thinking about it, do you have to be in a certain position? Because obviously it's yoga. Or can you say, okay, I'm going to sit a certain way. Do they say, no, this is the way you sit? Because that, that for me, I'm trying to envision that I'm a rocker. So that would be a big no-no. I know that now. But <laughs> imagine if your knees were kind of cramping, were you in a certain position? And that's the position you had to be in. Yeah, I mean, you choose which position you want to be in. I mean, oh, there, there are people that have like these meditation benches that you kind of okay. sit on, that your knees don't go all the way bent. Um, they have meditation pillows and whatnot. Um, and some people just sit on the floor, you know, like a monk, go monk style. Okay. Um, but yeah, you, you, you have your choice. But the main thing is that once you choose how you're going to sit, don't move. Okay. That's good to know because I'm thinking Indian style and I'd be like, oh, hell no, this body's not going to do it. What do you think, Jan? What position, oh. <laughs> Jan, what position would you be in? Uh, well, that would definitely be very difficult. I have a hard time doing a downward dog, so I don't foresee myself sitting for an hour. But, you know, that you bring up some really excellent points, um, the mind over matter. 
and how you were able to, when you were scanning your body, how you were able to recognize it, acknowledge it and move forward. And I see that really being a transitional part of where you are today. Your life has developed in such a way where you've looked back, acknowledged, even though maybe you didn't realize the principles of going to that yoga university, it all kind of makes sense now. Totally. It, it, it really put me in place of what I'm doing now. And that's, that's where I'm doing the life balancing coaching, uh, self-transformation. Because after that experience in India, I, I came back here to Colombia to face the music, right? Get back to reality. Um, I wanted to stay in India. It was such an amazing place and everything that I was learning. But I, I knew I had to come back and, and continue with my life. So I decided to stay here in Colombia, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do yet. So when the pandemic started, I actually moved to the mountains outside of Bogota and moved into a cabin. And at that time I was just uh, still kind of feeling my, my way around, wondering what I'm going to do. And I actually did another meditation, another Vipassana meditation, but on my own, because I wasn't working, I wasn't doing anything. And the little, little inner voice came in and said, uh, hey, you're, you're not doing anything. You might as well do it again. <laughs> because I wanted to, I gave a promise to myself when I was in India, I should do this once a year. It's almost like taking your car to get an oil change. But in this case, you're, you're getting your, your oil changed in your, your mind once in a, in your once heart. a year. And your, your heart. And your heart, exactly. So when I did this meditation again in the cabin, I mean, I was surrounded by nature. I was in a really good place. I, I realized that, okay, I'm, I'm sitting on a wealth of knowledge here, not just from what I got in India, but through my personal experience, my professional experience, and said, okay, I, I need to share this. But, but how to share it. And that's when I came up with my, my program, Time Life Self, where I, I take uh, time management as the foundation to help people get their lives organized. And then, as you said, Carol, learn how to be selfish in a, in, in a positive manner. So I, I work on the time management first because so many people keep everything in their head these days mm -hmm. and they don't realize if you, if you can put it down on paper, uh, time management is also a code name for manifestation. But I don't like yeah. to scare people away with manifestation because they might think it's all woo-woo and uh, we're not going there yet. It's just to link it, to get people to understand that there is a link here to your mental to your mental health if you get your time management uh, understood. So you put everything down on paper, then, it, then it's like a puzzle. Then it's just putting the pieces together. How can I make this all work in the time that I have? And then when you have that, then you're able to focus on your life. So again, move from time to life. And then we're focusing on what do you want out of your life? right? Everything that's going on, everything that you want to, to do in your life. And we enter that into your puzzle. 
right? And then we jump into self, which is learning that being selfish is not a negative thing. Even though we're, we grow up learning that being selfish is negative and people who are selfish are bad people, but no, it's learning how to put up boundaries sometimes in order for you to get in touch with yourself and understand yourself. And also once you have that, we enter that into the puzzle and we just put it all together. And I think that's amazing because I think a lot of people don't, they, they take the definition of selfish and just broadly apply it. Self-care is a necessity of our life. Just like we, you know, and I, and I kind of crack up about it. I think of, gosh, we self-care our cars. We self-care our homes. You know, we self-care our bank accounts because we got to make sure that that's self-cared for, for the necessities that we need. We self-care for a parent and give, give, give. But we don't take that time for ourselves to say, you know what? And take, you know, get your planner. And I always say that. We actually chatted about that yesterday. Schedule yourself, whether it's for reading, meditation, yoga, a run. Read a book. You know, get off of social media. Do something that pleases and brings you joy. And when you're doing that, you're not going to feel so deprived when you know the next three hours, it's all about giving back, you know, whether it's to your family, whether it's to your profession, your community. So I think we have to learn that the selfish piece to it is really replenish. And I'm trying to figure out a word to combine the two because it's so important that we re replenish our, ourselves. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right, Carol. Wow, this has been such a wonderful podcast. And, you know, in wrapping up, Scott, where can our guests um, get a hold of you? Okay, um, I do have a website, although I'm uh, website building challenged. So there's only <laughs> the basics there. That's okay. <laughs> and, and that's uh, Scott J. Spears, S-P. E-A-R-S dot com. But most of my information is on Instagram these days. I'm posting daily tips um, out there. I have a self-growth roadmap for 2020 for just, just for anybody who's interested that wants some tips. Q2, I'm doing self-organization, which is uh, introducing mindfulness habits uh, to, to people. And then in Q3, we're going to be doing transformation and Q4 is energy. So that Instagram is at time underscore life underscore self. So oh, that's wonderful. I love that. And we can uh, actually, we'll make sure that we get the links after and, and make sure that they're posted under this once we upload everything. Well, I can just say, I, I you know, I feel your energy you know, not only your passion, but your intuitiveness to know that, especially from my perspective, I always think that it's harder for a male, for whatever reason, to take that time for self-awareness. You know, you just naturally, the way that we're kind of men are breeded and brought up that, you know, they got to be the strong one. You, know, you can't let your emotions show. And I think the fact that you recognize that at a very early age at 17 and 18, when you realize you're, you know, these bullets are coming at me, like, where am I going? That was really a profound moment for you. And at such a young age, it doesn't happen. A lot of us, 
you know, which is okay. We, we learn as we go, but I think the, the message that you're sending is don't, you know, don't leave yourself behind in, in the, in the running game of life that you've got to make sure you're included, but included in a healthy manner with uh, mind, body, and soul. And I absolutely love that, Scott. It was just such a remarkable, we'd love to have a follow-up with Scott for sure. And we really encourage our viewers and our listeners to, you know, take the time. Today is Thursday. It's trending Thursday. Why not you be the trend center and say, you know what? I'm going to be trending me. I'm important. I'm going to take out some time today, whether it's 15 minutes or 30 minutes, an hour, whatever you can spare. And you know what? Don't talk about it. Write it down. Make it later in the day. Make it happen. You be this trend center and take care of yourself. Self-care, self-love, self-heart, self-mind, for sure. Perfect. Great tips, Carol Sue. And Scott, you've been amazing on this podcast today. Such golden nuggets. And we, like Carol said, we'll make sure that your information gets tagged below this video. So folks stop by later, a little later on. And if you're looking to get a hold of Scott, you'll know where to find him. It is trends, trending Thursday, February 19th, 18th, 18th, 18th. Sorry about that. And my name is Janice, AKA Wellness Diva 3.0, along with two stars. And this is Carol Sue, AKA Nani Boss, Lady Canna, ready to put my self first with some self love. I think I'm gonna do, I think I'm gonna try a little meditation on the beach today. I'm heading to the beach. So nothing like ocean waves and kind of get you in that moment. Do you just remember that doing you is not selfish. You heard it right from Scott. And everyone, you have a great day. Be the trendsetter. And we will see you tomorrow for Fantabulous Friday. You guys have a great day, everyone. Thank you so much, Scott. It was wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks, Scott. Everyone have a great day. Thank you.